Hey there, it's Preston here. And before we get started with today's show, I want to share a fun new opportunity with you. We're preparing to launch Freelance to Founder Shorts, five to 10 minute episodes addressing a singular specific question from one of you. If you've ever wanted to promote your business on our show, but don't have enough questions to fill a full episode, this is your chance. Just submit a question at freelance2founder.com slash ask, and we'll give your business a plug and include our best short answers to your question. As always, we can't do this show without you. So visit freelance2founder.com slash ask today and submit a question. You can send a text record audio or make a quick video and it just takes a few minutes at freelance2founder.com slash ask. We can't wait to hear from you. And now on to the show. Hey everyone, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. Every week, we sit down with freelancers like you for actionable coaching calls with one mission. To help you ditch the feast-famine lifestyle and build your own sustainable business. At one point, we were both brand new freelancers, barely making ends meet. But by now, we've started, grown, and even sold a few businesses of our own. And we want to help you do the same. If you're ready to go from freelance to founder, then join the army of freelancers who are taking matters into their own hands. Visit freelancetofounder.com to apply for your own on-air coaching call. And now, get ready to take some notes because an all-new episode of Freelance to Founder starts right now. On today's show, have you ever wanted to pivot your freelance business into something a little more passive? In this episode, we chat with our old friend, Will Gibbons, who came on for a coaching call a couple of years ago. And since his call, Will has pivoted into a more passive business model. If earning money passively is something you'd like to try, this episode is for you. We'll be right back after a quick message from our sponsors. When you wake up in the morning and check your phone, does it feel like this or like this? Because with Shopify, your morning can feel like this way more often. That's the sound of a sale being made on your new Shopify store. And while client payments may require weeks or months of work, you can start generating a semi-passive income to grow your business by setting up a Shopify store all of your own. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your latest designs on shirts or bags or adding something totally different to your business, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. You can sell online, you can sell in person, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. With Shopify, you can set up your store in minutes and start selling immediately. And Shopify's award-winning support is there to help you as you go. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash freelance. That's all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash freelance to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash freelance or click the link in our show description and start waking up to this. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. 
Hello and welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. My name is Preston Lee from Milo.co and joining me on the air today is my friend Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com. Hey, Clay. What's going on? Well, man, I'm excited because today we have an old friend coming back on the show. Uh, his name is Will Gibbons and longtime listeners, I mean long time, like it's been probably, maybe you'll remember better, Will. It's been a couple years at least since we talked to you last, but we had Will on the show early on as we were um, getting used to this new concept of coaching calls. And I just remember it being a great call uh, with you, Will. But anyway, without further ado, (laughs) welcome Will Gibbons to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. It's definitely been a minute. Uh, Quite, I'd say a fair bit has changed since I joined you guys last. And uh, yeah, I think it'll be fun to catch up and see if there's some some nuggets of inspiration I can offer for other people who are maybe in a similar position I was when we spoke last and mm. then kind of bridging that gap as to like where I'm at now. Yeah, I love it. That's that we love having people back on who um have just have made such good progress and I know we were chatting via email before this that that you've just made some cool strides in your business, some big changes but also some really great progress. So that's what we're going to dive into today uh, you know for the listeners we're going to talk about Maybe a little bit about Will's last episode, but mostly about how far his business has come, what he's been doing right, maybe some lessons learned along the way so that you can learn from him as well. But Will, why don't you give us a quick quick background? Maybe maybe tell us like really, really quickly where your business was at the last time we talked um, and, then, and then give us a, a sneak peek of where you're at now. And then we'll kind of use the rest of the episode to bridge that gap. Yeah, sure. Sounds great. So the last time we spoke, I had been freelancing independently. So I I had left a full-time job before that. And I had been at that for, I want to say, a little under a year. This would have been in 2020, I believe we might have spoken. And so I was, uh, for anyone who hadn't heard that episode, I was doing software instruction and specifically teaching companies how to uh, designers and engineering teams how to use a rendering software 3d rendering software called keyshot so the company that makes the software keyshot i was a full-time in-house employee of theirs for three years and i traveled and i would teach some of their bigger clients how to use the software in-house to a higher level so i left that position because i wanted to do more freelance direct to client work and get involved in actually production style rendering doing product renderings and animations mm-hmm. and i and and so when we spoke last i was about a year into that and i was kind of teetering between like uh, like i had just gotten enough clients to stay busy but i was also feeling a little overwhelmed and mm-hmm. wasn't sure if it was time to try to make a hire, to try to take on more work, uh, or just balance the load, essentially. So that's where I was at roughly when we spoke last. Yeah. Am I am I remembering right that you were... Well, first of all, you had some pretty cool big-name clients, if I remember right, that you were working with. And, and, um, and then you were kind of trying to decide, like, do I pursue this full force? Like, do I go all in and try to just be like the uh, rendering graphics guy for companies or or do I like pivot and and teach more is that was that the question before I'm trying to remember if that a was little, like part of our conversation yeah so I, I had worked with a number of companies including uh, like Peloton and 3m yeah, and yeah, innovation yeah. and mm. um, 
which is focused right as their parent company. But yeah, and I and I'd really enjoyed that. Um, fun products, fun companies, fun people to work with. But oddly enough, kind of toward the end of our call, or maybe it was even after the call, I mentioned to you guys, like I also kind of do this YouTube content thing, which I've, yeah, I've yeah. enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like that was cool. I didn't know, like I didn't know how to make that work, like and replace that income. So um so yeah, that's that's a little bit more where I was at. I had basically done some YouTube tutorials on my personal channel over the years while still being a full-time employee at my previous employer. And I had a couple, one or two videos in particular that really garnered a fair bit of attention. And that's where in the back of my head, I was like, oh, maybe this could be a thing. Mm, yeah. Okay. So so that's where you were last time we talked. It's been now a little while, like you said. Where What, what are you currently doing in your company? And and then we'll talk about how you got there. Yeah. So the the advice that you guys gave me was try hiring um, to work uh, with your freelance clients and see what happens as far as if you can take on more work, yeah. increase your revenue, or maybe just restore a little balance in your life type of thing. Yeah. Um, Wait, we recommended that you hire somebody? That doesn't sound like us at all. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like everyone no, comes no, on no. With, their, with their hurdles and their problems and we're just like... Look, hiring yeah. is just the answer. <laughs> yeah, let's sum up our entire podcast. Just hire, just there hire people. Yeah. Well, it was funny. I mean, I did. I definitely tried it out. I got. I did some contracting uh, or cool. hired some contractors. Uh, none of it was on really big jobs, but it definitely gave me a taste for it. And I hate to say it, but the takeaway was, wow, it's a lot of work hiring people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. that's for sure. Um. So, and again, it wasn't without benefit, of course, but uh, it just kind of gave me some, you know, I needed that nudge to try it out. And then I was like, uh, not sure if it really got my juices flowing the way I thought it might. <laughs> so, um, so where I'm at now, if we jump ahead is like, uh, I've stopped. So I, I basically retired from freelancing, which is just a kind of a clickbaity way of saying I'm not working with clients for now. Um, and I have been focused on just educational content for, I think officially it's only been maybe like six months, but I really tried to start tapering down my client jobs around uh, March of last year. So it's been, we're coming on about a year. Yeah. When you say, when you say educational content, are you talking about the training or are you talking about the YouTube or both? Yeah. So they're kind of one and the same, but also to make that much clearer, I, I sell pre-recorded digital courses. And I still teach what I used to be uh, hired to... Uh, my, when I worked for a client, my last employer, what I taught, that's essentially what I'm doing now under my own name online, basically. So instead of doing on-site training, you know, COVID happened, people mm -hmm, stopped traveling mm -hmm. and everything. And I, being a bit of a stickler for efficiency, I was like, I'd rather package up what I'm teaching into video courses instead of doing it over and over in front of people in real time. Yeah. That makes a whole and, lot of sense. It totally does. It, you were probably repeating yourself ad nauseum. Yeah, exactly. And that's, again, and I, I know some people thrive in that like classroom style uh sort of interaction. Yeah, and yeah, so I don't sure. want to like make it sound like I'm belittling it or, or looking down on it because some people, that's really where they shine. Um, I just was like, man, I, I really like to... I kind of jumped toward looking for efficient models when it comes to doing things. And I'm like, I want something scalable and something where I could just 
do this really well once and then just make it available for more people. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely the appeal of courses, right? That's why courses have taken off so much as a revenue generator because it's like you make it once or or even you make it once a year, like if you need to update it, but you make it once and then you just sell it over and over and over and over. Yeah, spot on. Exactly. And so what I had done was I had... Um, so in regards to YouTube, like I had hinted earlier, I had created a, a video called Intro to Keyshot 6 for Beginners, just really basic. And it, this was... I published this in 2016. So this was long ago. And um, the video, I mean, is kind of... It's not like a crazy viral thing, but because it's pretty niche. But, you know, uh, about 150,000 views or so. And um, that just kind of was the first thing where I was like, oh, people responded really well. There was a lot of nice comments and encouraging things. And like, it wasn't me saying, hey, I'm a pro. I'm going to teach you how to do this. It was really me just kind of doing the like leading learner, like I'll share what I have or what I know now. And it's it's far from great. Trust me, it's far from great. But it kind of filled a little bit of a niche. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. So... Now, yeah. So, so over the years, I I had started to do a, a few little courses that I would sell on Gumroad for like five dollars or something like that, but that wasn't producing any meaningful mm. income. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people calling with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full fledged team. Other times, maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs. And did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's going to want to take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to Hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. How much of your time is spent now, I'm just curious, like percentage-wise, on like actual project work versus these courses? 
100% on just producing educational content. So that's either for mm. YouTube, which is free, free, free content, mm-hmm. um, or running like free community. Like I've got a Discord server that's pretty active with a uh, couple thousand people or so. And, uh, you know, my email inbox, Instagram direct messages, and then just my course courses. Um, how much, so, how much of your revenue, like how much of a change in your revenue has this made? Like, has it increased it, decreased it, or like kind of stayed the same, but a different allocation? Like, I'm, I'm very curious. Yeah. So what, what, what happened was around the time I wanted to... So around the time I left my last employer, which would have been t- 2019, so three years ago, um, I was selling, like I said, courses that were pretty modestly priced on like Gumroad. And it wasn't, like I said, maybe a couple hundred dollars extra per month. But then I I really wanted to basically create this like flagship product, this masterclass more or less, which is... And so I, rec- I created what I called the Keyshot uh, Rendering Masterclass on evenings and weekends um, about a year after I left my employer. So I was about a year into freelancing. And um, when I launched that in February of last year, uh, I I did a lot better than I thought I would. So basically, over the past year, the coursework uh, out-earned what I was getting doing freelance work. And I feel like you were getting paid Whoa. pretty well doing freelance work too, right? I mean, you had decent clients. You're doing yeah. very niche, high-quality work. Yeah, so the the... In let's see, in 2021, where I was kind of wrapping up projects for clients and stuff like that, I had it was roughly around that six figure mark in direct client work um, as far as earnings. And then my course, my main course, I think since last year's done about 150k, 155. That's awesome. And so, Dude, that's amazing. Yeah, that's incredible. You've completely replaced your client work. But you know, some people don't want to do people. Some people really, like you said, everyone's different. So people really thrive on working with clients. But there, I think there is a large group of people who are like, either they'd like to do half and half or they want to completely give up client work and just do more of this. What some people would call passive income, but we all know that it's really not that passive. You're, you're hustling just as much as you were probably when you were working with clients, just doing different kinds of work. I guess like, um, so if I'm listening to this and I'm thinking like, okay, I, I am hearing Will's story. This sounds really compelling. I want to start experimenting with like transitioning maybe just part of my business away from client work and into more courses or other products that I can sell that I maybe make once and sell multiple times. What I mean, what, what's even the first step? Like, where do I start? What do I ask? What do I learn? What do I do? Where do I even begin? Yeah, there's there's a lot there. Um, so I think the big thing... Because I'm really good at asking very complicated questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my best to offer a satisfactory answer. I think... So for me, the big thing, it, to, to really zoom out and not get too in the weeds about anything, uh, before I get detailed, I would say it really came down to the fact that I was a year into freelancing, kind of hustling that first couple of years before you hit escape velocity. Everyone feels that. It's that grind. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, what I was doing for my previous employer was teaching people how to do this software I really love. It's a lot of fun. I enjoy that. So I actually missed the teaching 
but I didn't like repeating myself and I didn't like the travel. I was on the road like more than half the time out of the year. And that's just hard for three years. So I, you know, after freelancing for about a year, I was like, man, I'm working hard. Yes, the rewards are starting to come, but it's draining. And there was also part of me that just loved teaching. And I was kind of bummed that like, you know, my YouTube channel, I like making content and teaching people like doing tutorials and stuff. And so for me, I just felt like I had to make this product for myself, this course that I thought was going to be, um, would summarize what I'd learned about teaching this software. So I didn't actually see this as a way to step away from client work because I didn't know if anyone would buy it. So I spent two or three months, weekends and evenings recording this and then another couple months editing it. So it's like 15 hour course, it's like pretty beefy. Um, so when I launched it in February of last year, I honestly just sent a single email to my email list, which was maybe like 10,000 people at the time. Really didn't know what to expect. And just 10,000 people. That's all. That's yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Right, like some people listening would kill for a 10,000 email list, right? My email list is not even 10,000 people. <laughs> I'll, I'll get into that because it's honestly the most important part of my business. And, and I, I will touch on that because it's, I think it's something that designers and creatives are missing out on like seriously. Um, but the point is like, so when I launched that, that first month, it earned like 30 grand. And I was like, this is like as much as I made like last year, basically freelancing. So for me, a light bulb went off where I was like, I just don't believe this. Like it doesn't seem, it seems... It's, it felt too easy, but I had to remind myself that I, I put like, you know, four months of work into this evenings and weekends. And it just happened to, to my audience was ready for it, basically. So um, all that's to say is like, back to your question, Preston, as far as like, well, if somebody wants to try to offer products instead of just working with clients, I think, first of all, they you know, should have a, I guess, a pretty clear understanding of what value they offer outside of mm. service work. Yeah. And for me, it was teaching. Like I love teaching more than I loved working with clients. And it's mo the most rewarding thing ever when I see somebody else get a light bulb moment and then they tell me like what they can do with the, their new skill skills. I love that piece of advice. Uh, you know, thinking through like what other value could you bring to your your audience or a similar audience? Like, I know um, my friend Ian, uh, who I haven't caught up with in a while, but he's he's uh, like a hand letterer, and he has a pretty big following on Instagram. And he used to just like do hand lettering for clients, and worked for some really big clients. Like I think he did Nike and some some bigger brands like that. Um, but then he started selling on like Creative Market and Design Cuts and some of these like marketplaces where he makes a, a you know a lettering pack or a brush pack or something once. And then he just sells it over and over and over again, and like he he found way to ways to add value through that that he could then generate some more a little bit more passive of income than working directly with clients, and he's found a lot of satisfaction in that. So I think like no matter what industry you're in, there are ways where you can identify, like you said, will ways that you can bring more value uh, to your current clients or to maybe people in the same industry or just an audience that you maybe already have or something. It's about identifying how to, how to find that value. But the other thing that I really like 
that you mentioned was like that you kind of treated this like a side hustle. Like your freelancing was your full-time job. <laughs> Even though you were still working for yourself, you didn't just like scrap that all and say, see you later. <laughs> I'm not going to work with clients anymore. You still, you like hustled on the side because you weren't sure yet. And I think that's a smart way to approach it. Um, as opposed to just like completely pivoting, leaving everything behind without any idea of if this other thing is going to work. I think that's a really smart way to handle that. Yeah, the the for me this was a minimum viable product. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, it was a lot of work. I didn't put it together in a weekend. I mean, it was a lot of work, but what I what I mean by that is it needed to provide a proof of concept because so far up until this point, I'd only made a few hundred dollars selling courses or yeah, like little like very bite-sized courses that yeah. were sold for like 5, 10 bucks. Um, I also experimented with doing a live like cohort based where I did two two hour sessions, and I think I charged fifty dollars per person, and I limited it to twenty people. Yeah. So that was that was a little bit just again testing the waters of like, does my audience respond to being sold mm-hmm. to basically? Because mm-hmm. that's for designers and creatives, that's a scary thing to do. Um, I knew through my experience of teaching in person and through my YouTube tutorials that um, a I knew how to do like video stuff like to an acceptable quality. And I knew that my teaching skills in person in real time were up to snuff. So for me, it was kind of an like it made sense to combine those into what could be, you know, productized, which was this one time yeah. course. And really leaning into your strengths. I love that. Clay, yeah. I'm, I'm curious as you're listening to Will's story, like I know you went from, you know, service mm-hmm. service business, building an agency, you sell your your stake in the agency. And then um, you continue with some service stuff, but then you start building out some courses. You know, obviously Dripify has like a lot of instructional uh, elements to it. Like what what's resonating with Will's story in terms of what you've seen uh, and what's maybe been different for you or where do you disagree? I'd love to hear. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I've, I've had a similar journey. Um, it, it's interesting to hear this kind of, Will, just you going through this because like I... I did the same thing. Um, I had an agency that was like, we service clients and projects and stuff like that. Uh, we did not do courses, but like <clears throat> whenever I whenever I sold the, my agency, I, I decided to go into the course realm. Uh, I still service stuff. Like I, even now I do a mix um, and I do a mix of courses, but I also do a mix of like, I have quite a few clients that, that I have that in service. Um, my thing though is, I think this all, because I think people listening might, this sounds like a dream to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Um, because like, so, like it is like, Will, you said it, it, it's a ton of work to do courses. I mean, it's like, you gotta, you gotta create the course. You gotta edit the videos. You gotta, you gotta find the platform to put it on. You gotta, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, you, plus not only selling the course, you gotta, you gotta create these days, you gotta create a, a community to, to make sure that people stick around. Um, and so I, you know, I, it sounds like a dream to people. It, it is a lot of work. It's a lot of work to do that. It's, um, the the hardest part about course work about doing courses is that you do the work ahead of time before you get paid in most cases now you can pre-sell it like i pre-sold my courses yeah and we've talked about that on the show a lot right like yeah. even using a pre-sale to validate an idea 
mm-hmm. ahead of time before you invest all of this time in creating a course. You got to yep. figure out if people are even willing to like put down a credit card for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like, but but to pre like when you pre sell, I got lucky and pre sold a, a shit ton of money on my course. Um, but that's not the typical case. Like I, a pre sale, speci- the specific goal for, of pre selling is to just make sure that it's a viable product that people actually want. You're not going to make a ton of money usually on pre-sales. Um, it's just to validate your idea. And then you go and you do the work and then you make the big money after you put in the work to actually market and sell this thing. So like, it's, it's, it's a different kind of work. Uh, the reason why I didn't go... and I, I'm very curious. This is why I asked about what percentage of your time you spend on, on project work versus coursework. Because I have yet to make the... to take the plunge on going all courses and digital products because a part of that for me is super boring. Like you really enjoy, Will, you really enjoy the education part. I don't. I've tried coaching people and people have paid me to coach them and I hated it. Yeah. I did not like it. Um, and so... It's so funny because you're, you're good at it on the show when you do it for free. I just find that ironic. Yeah. Well, okay. You know, you know what the difference is? The difference is is that with the exception of these these second episodes, you know, like with Will being on here uh, as a follow up, is that I don't. We don't usually hear back from these people um, as like a recurring coaching uh, basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And like the problem I had with coaching was like, you know, I say, hey, here's what you got to do. Here's what you, here's what you're doing. Let me here's, guess, and then they didn't do it, and they don't do shit. And you know that drives me nuts. As someone like like someone like me who's a doer, like as soon as I decide I'm going to do something, like I do that shit like right now. I mean, it's like I don't understand. It's it's I'm going on a tangent, but this is the, <laughs> this is the reason why I, I I hate coaching. It's like they, people don't do what I say that you're supposed to do, and then they and then they go, oh, you know, that's my fault. But I was like, what are, what are you paying me for? I, I feel like I wasted this entire year coaching you when you haven't done anything, <laughs> you know? So this is like, I, but I like courses. Like courses, people buy it. I don't have to see them, you know, like on a regular basis. So, um, but service work, like working on projects, like I just know that shit will go done, you know? It's like they pay me to do something, I'll do it and it's done. So I don't know. I'm more of a doer than like a, like a, a educator. Uh, so uh, that's kind of my my shtick to it, and, th- and this is the reason why I haven't dove all in on courses. So, well, and it's interesting you say that. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I don't think I don't think Will is any less of a doer, but there's definitely like, um, there's there's like a shift of of when you have to do the work, right? You you do a ton of work up front, and then mm-hmm. you do you know marketing work to to actually sell the product. Um. But the, it's definitely front loaded, and I think that's maybe what people don't understand about passive income is like, you know, it, that phrase is so appealing. Passive income, right? I can make money doing nothing or doing very little work. What you don't realize is it's actually front loaded income. I think like the the work on the front end that's a better phrase for is it, a yeah. lot more than the work. You know, like if you're doing services, then it, it's sort of evenly spread throughout or whatever. But but. Totally passive income. I've never seen any passive income model, except maybe just you know investing in stocks or something. Front, where, front loaded, and then you get paid on the back end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And and, uh, and you get paid maybe on a longer tail, but 
yeah, there's so much work up front. I don't know, Will, what, what's, what's sticking out to you, man? Yeah, you guys bring up some interesting points. And I, I do feel like that, like passive income should probably be rebranded to like offset income or something like that it, or mm, delayed yeah. or something. It's like yeah. latent. I don't know. Yeah, no one because, wants delayed income though, right? Everyone wants like... <laughs> right. Of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> no, but Clay brings up a great point as far as like, they are a lot of work. And that's why I kind of mentioned, I didn't see this as a, an escape from client work. I did this just because I felt like I, I had to. It's just, it's something I wanted to do forever. And I just never did. And I wanted to do it for myself, even if the thing flopped. So I was okay with that. And I think um, actually that shines through when you're making a product. People can tell that you were passionate about the product itself instead of just passionate about like raking in some passive income. Yeah. I, yes. I think people can sniff out whether something's content is thin, basically. I think mm. we're good at that now. But I think, you know, in this case, like I said, I, I was, I would have been happy if I made five to 10 grand off the course. And this is a premium course. Like I think I was charging at launch like 375 or something for it. And, um, and I would have been fine with that. But once it overtook my freelance earnings and I wasn't like Clay said, doing any, I wasn't doing a lot of like recurring work to maintain that product or work with the customers because the course was so complete, so thorough. Like there was very little ever any refunds or questions on how to do something. Um, I really have enjoyed watching kind of how it uh, performed for the past year. And so, um, you know, learning from that, I think back to Clay's question, which was like, how much time is is between doing work, project work, or or course creating courses? Really, I made uh, a big investment up front in my first big course, and then the time between then and now has largely been two things: one, just regular content creation for free, because YouTube is my discovery engine. That's the top of my funnel. I give away tons of free tutorials. What's your YouTube channel? Uh, youtube.com slash Will Gibbons. Okay, cool. And, um, and so it's only, a, I shouldn't say only again, because maybe someone's starting out, but it's at like 25,000 subs. So I don't have a huge audience, but like um, the, the tutorials I put out there, uh, very, you know, they get people to learn who I am. They get people on my email list. And, and I just try to be wherever I can, giving out as much value as I can, because I know I have one premium product offering that when the time is right, somebody's going to buy. So my time now, so when I shifted away from doing client work, I, I, I spent some time figuring out how to train, like how to transition away from this mindset and this business model of service-based to content publishing platform or education platform. And it really, I mean, that was for me like a six plus month sort of slow transition. I had to shut down ongoing client projects I had agreed to do. I had to learn to not freak out if like sales went down in a month. I had to learn to figure out how to push sales back up if they slumped. I had to learn how to like doing this type of work, if anything, decouples the correlation between the time you spend making a thing and the mm -hmm. money you get because you get paid not when you're doing the work. Sometimes I'll wake up and there's three or four sales overnight and I'm like, great, I made more money sleeping last night than I did last week or whatever. So <laughs> it really creates a disconnect and it's a, I think it's kind of a healthy and interesting thing because it leaves room for you to be creative and solve problems and be strategic about your business instead of thinking about trading your time for money. 
I actually love that. If if for nothing else, like it helps you open your eyes to, yeah, not not we we talk a lot on the show about not charging by the hour, um, not even necessarily like charging by the project, but like figuring out where you bring value to a client or a customer. I love that this forces you to think that way, right? Because it's not about how long it took you to make the course. It's about what what they're willing to pay for the value. The, the A to Z that you're selling in this course, you're you know you're currently not able to render the kinds of graphics and videos that you want to, and and after you take this course, you will be able to, right? And that's that's really what you're selling them. It's a great, I love that. It's a great decoupling of like mm-hmm. hourly based charging. Well, the, the other thing that I've learned too that's interesting is I think if I didn't, if I was nowhere else on social media. And I'm not the best. I mean, I've pulled, I've dialed back on like Instagram a lot lately. But if I wasn't publishing free stuff anywhere else or emailing a list regularly, um, I don't think the course would do as well because the social proof of my visibility and what I give out elsewhere, I think helps. And I think people know like if they're going to buy a premium mm. course that's like for hundreds of dollars, they don't want it to be this one thing and then not know if they'll ever be able like if the course sucks like. Does that mean they're like never gonna hear from the person who made it? Like mm. I'm everywhere. I answer every DM and every email, and and people find me on the YouTube channel. I answer every comment, everything. And so because of that, I think people know like if they're buying into my courses, they're buying into my ecosystem. And there's a million ways to get personalized feedback from me. And I think that's yeah. part of it. So so much of my time now goes into making free content just to support one product that does well. Yeah. I mean, I'm hearing a, a lot of things that I really like. I, I, you guys probably get this too. When, any, when anyone learns that you're an entrepreneur, that you work for yourself, I swear, everyone's got like a blog they want to start or a YouTube channel they want to start or they want to be like an influencer on Instagram or whatever. And they're not thinking, they're always like, yeah, well, I could make videos on whatever subject, baking. And it's like, yeah, you could. And and then also that's not a business. <laughs> you're not making yeah. any money. Right. Uh, and so, you know, I love that you're, you actually have a business model. Now, maybe it didn't start that way. So in fairness, like some people, a lot of people don't start that way. Um, my business is a content business. I didn't start quite knowing how I'd monetize it. Um, and that comes with time, but like, man, I, you know, if I go back in time and start with the monetization instead and say like, I'm going to pre-sell this course or I'm going to, I'm going to develop this course and sell it. And now, now all of this free quote unquote free work that I'm doing like has meaning because everything that I put out there, the goal is now for that to be top of the funnel and to bring in more customers for my course. Yeah. It's really counterintuitive. And I don't think people quite are comfortable with the idea where, you know, if you look back at ancient barter systems, like I give you this for that works, it's an exchange of value. And currency became that way, right? A measure of, oh, uh, I got mm-hmm. this amount of value I can trade for somebody else's thing. It's a really odd concept to think that, wait a minute, um, I'm going to give you a bunch of free value. And the thing, mm-hmm. you know, you'll pay me eventually, but it's from something else down the road. And it's hard to connect those dots. And I think it's just a lot less intuitive for somebody who's kind of, new to online business or entrepreneurship. And uh, I think that 40,000 foot view and how to connect those dots is what comes with just experience. I think it's because it's, it's, everybody's not, they're impatient. Uh, they they, they, they want to do some sort of action now and then like get 
get an immediate result result from it. Um, and that's super hard for even for me. Um, it's super hard for uh, for people to mm-hmm. wrap their mind around. Uh, that's the whole Gary V thing, right? You know, yeah. um, where it's like give value, 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 and people will eventually buy. Yeah, jab, 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 right hook, right? Isn't that mm-hmm. his book? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Will, I've heard you reference a couple times uh, your email list. You did say earlier, like you feel like a lot of designers, creatives, people listening oh, yeah. to this podcast are undervaluing an email list. What, what advice would you have for them for growing an email list or starting an email list? And why should they do it? And where did yeah. you get that 10,000? Yeah, that's right. I just bought them. No, I'm just kidding. Ah. Um, <laughs> dude, because I wanted well, it. Like, well, give me, that, give me whoever that list broker is because I'm going to make them buy my shit too. They all bought yours. <laughs> oh, man. No, it's, it's true though. I think it's... Um, so this is something I'm super opinionated on. I, and, and, and this is a little... It's, it's good that you brought this up because it kind of makes me remember. So even with what Clay said, everyone wants something immediately. Um, I often forget that I started my my dream or goal of doing online business started in 2012. So I realized recently I'm like a decade into wanting this. Oh, yeah. And I started joining online communities. There was one... I don't even remember the name of the first one I joined. And it was so over my head. I couldn't figure out how to install a website on WordPress. And I gave up. But I like <laughs> yeah. I was like drinking the Kool-Aid, listening to all the podcasts, you know, the Derek Halperns, the Lewis Howes, the you know, whoever else was big back then, oh, and like Pat Flynn and all that stuff, yeah. like all the time. And I was just like, okay, I want to be an online like guy, but yeah. how? And so I started researching it and I joined a community, it didn't work. Then I was part of the Fizzle community for a few years. Um, and then I started one or two or three brands over the course of a few years and I'd get a blog going, I'd publish some content, then I'd lose interest or I'd lose momentum. Um, and then I freelanced for a few years and then and that, I basically failed out of that. And then I got my last employer, um, hired me in 2016. And that's when I really like doubled down on like niching this into this rendering, 3D rendering stuff. So... All that to say is through those years, I, I familiarized myself with the, the very generic online business model of content publishing. You make a blog or something, you create content people like, you capture their emails, and then you stay in touch with them. I didn't know exactly how to monetize it, but I just knew yeah. that it was like, like build an email list, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I have always been all the little past attempts were based on industrial design, which is what I went to college for. And it turns out that the software I teach people how to use now um, is one of is probably the most popular rendering software used by industrial designers. So my audience over the years has not changed very drastically. So I built a list of about 10,000 subscribers over the course of probably five or six years, but like not really doing much with it. Like I'd mm-hmm. fall in and out of emailing them and I didn't really have a strategy. Um, what where it really started to work, I, actually, you know, it was probably only just a couple thousand up until 2019. So when I left my last employer, I, I was so excited to get back to doing YouTube. I did a, a little series of tutorials on YouTube, and the very smart thing that I did was I created a project file that people needed to download in order to follow along with. 
Oh, yeah. And that download, it's just a 3D model that I made myself, but it's the easiest way to learn is if you can follow step by step. So I put that on a Google Drive link and and I put it behind a, a email, like give me your email address and I'll give you the download link. Yeah. And I did that. And I did this series of like 10 or 12 tutorials. And I saw so, like that's where my email list blew up, where it went from like maybe two or 3,000 over the course of five years to like yeah. it's been growing at 1,000 a month for the past few years. Yeah, because because no one no one actually wants more emails. Right. <laughs> so like you can mm-hmm. you can act like your uh, email newsletter or whatever is the most valuable thing on the planet, but no one actually wants more emails. What they what they did want was like this this uh, sample file to follow along with. People I love want results, right? Yeah, so that's help right. them get yeah. the results. Yeah. Yeah. And then if and then once you're valuable in their inbox, you can stay there. You know, it's yeah. Seth Godin's like permission marketing. Yes. Uh, having permission to stay in their inbox once you add value there. But but you got to have more than just, we don't do that. I don't do this very well. Uh, you know, just just enticing them by saying like, hey, the newsletter is great. Because it is, but but like, you know, everyone's saying that. And there's millions and millions of options. And mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. I didn't, know, I didn't know that there was this many people in your industry, a thousand emails a month. That's yeah, crazy. So- so I think there's about 100,000 users of the software that I target specifically. So oh, okay, okay, if okay. I can only, you know, I mean, my goal is to capture as many as possible, but I mean, there's also a customer lifecycle too. So that'll change over time. But I think, so So with that, I basically stumbled into this idea. I didn't know it would be part of my strategy, but I, I just wanted to create the best tutorials that I felt like I could do under my own brand that gave me more freedom than I could when I was creating them for the, the my past employer. It could just be myself. It could be less polished and I could go on tangents. And so that gave me a better way, I think, to connect with some of the people. And then having those tutorial, those project files were so key. And when I saw that my list was growing so much because of it, I was like, well, I should just keep doing it. So I did. And that's when I was like, I hinted a few times like to my list, I sent an email saying like, Hey, sorry, there's no like, the only emails I would send out was once a week saying, here's the latest tutorial, check it out. Like I didn't sell them anything. So then when I was busy working on the new course, I teased it out and said, Hey, I'm, I'm not producing new tutorials for a little bit because I really want to get this course done. I've been wanting to do it forever. And so I just planted the seed. It was like no hard sell. And then when it was available, I just kind of sent out the link to them. But people were primed because they'd been hearing me hint at it for months, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And the biggest thing too is I think for people who again maybe hear about this and think, well, he's making it sound easy. You got to remember that every piece of content I put out is literally just focused on teaching this one software. Um, yeah, so I do. The love only the, reason the someone's hyper-focus. on my the only reason someone's on my list is they want to be better at this. So that's the only thing I'm selling them. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I love the hyper focus. Like, you you know that everyone that's on that list is going to be interested in what you're selling. So they might not all convert, but they're they'll at least you know have a decision to make as opposed to like, oh, this doesn't apply to me or whatever. And the other rule that I've tried to follow is every email I send out, I try to make sure that there's something new and free. So like, Mm. I try not to give people a reason on subscribe. You know, if I am mentioning something that's paid, I make sure there's new free content in there as well for everybody. Mm, that's smart. Mm, that's a good idea. I so, also love, and don't don't take this the wrong way. 
I also love the simplicity of it. Like it, it reminds me of the early days of growing a business online, at least my early days. Like you just you just had human beings on a list and you just told them what you were up to and they cared because they <laughs> found value in what you were doing. Like, you know, yeah. like it, it can get, if you're not careful, it can get so complicated and you're like, oh, maybe I need lead pages and and maybe gotta, I need like... You got to retarget this and retarget yeah, that and pixel yeah. this and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I get it. And you know what? Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you just need like quality stuff, genuine interactions with human beings and then you just got to tell people when you're like, hey, I want to make this course and I'm going to make it. And you tell them about it. And then when it's ready for sale, then some of them buy it. And I just love the simplicity of it. Um, I think that's really magical. I think that's how more business should be done, honestly. Yeah. Are you and, running ads? No, not yet. So this gets us kind of to current day. Um, if I can jump ahead a little bit. So like basically the, the summary of all this was is like I was freelancing it was working, but I was also stressed. And I also, I didn't mention this earlier, but I was actually getting so stressed and the anxiety of... of Will I make a it, sale today? No, it was actually more... No, I was staying fully booked. The problem was, I thought that in time, my confidence and my skills would go up. And so, and, and in proportion to that, my anxiety would go down. And I'd just be like, oh, it's just another day. It just got worse and worse where I kept feeling like... Uh, the more aware I became of my skills, the more I doubted them. And I felt like the clients would push back on stuff. And it was more of a personal thing. It wasn't like because of my clients. It was like more of I had a tr- I had trouble growing into being a confident freelancer. So, mm. so for that reason, I just felt like that was pushing a boulder up a hill. Whereas like the teaching stuff and the and the course creation was like fun by comparison. So so I did that and when it Turn, when it proved that it could pay out, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna walk away from freelancing and focus on this now. And for me, really, the mission is more like I can help so many. Like I've gotten so many more. Like I love sharing emails with my fiance, who's like, uh, somebody will be like, oh, I took your course and I wasn't getting internships, and I redid my portfolio, and now I landed my dream job, or oh, now I'm freelancing and I can support my family or whatever. Like I've gotten some of the nicest things that I'm just like, holy smokes, like that's more, that's better than any high paying client Mm. job I could have asked for. So, um, so where we are now, I'm actually, uh, I've spent the last two and a half weeks recording my next course. It's over 30 hours long. It's ridiculous. It is, it's, uh, it's, it's hard. (laughs) And so I'm, I'm, I'm editing it right now and it's, it's a ton of work and I I got about two weeks of editing in front of me and then another couple weeks for promoting, but that'll be the follow-up. And, um, and between last year's major course launch and this upcoming one sales have, they were pretty steady for probably the first six months. And then, um, I did a bit of a, a, a bit of a promotion for Black Friday, saw a big spike, and then kind of post holidays, they kind of quieted down. And I'm just at the point where I am starting to look into running ads. I haven't advertised anywhere yet. Um, but oh, what I'm... Clay, man, you ruined him. Everything was so nice and simple. <laughs> I know, man. I know. <laughs> so, but the, here's the funny thing. So, like, basically, things worked exactly kind of how Preston described them, which was like kind of the the basic bare bones model, but the last few months, I've basically been working with another group of other online business people to really legitimize my stuff. So I've moved away from uh, Squarespace to WordPress. 
I am using lead pages. I went off of MailChimp to Active Campaign. I've hey, got me too. ever. I've got like all these automations. It's like my system has gotten very complex very quickly, <laughs> yeah. and um, it's not because I wanted to. Uh, so much as that, I basically got in touch with some guys who are doing some really impressive figures with really lean. Like they're all single, like one, like one person who has two or three contractors, but they're doing like five or six times my revenue. And I'm like, how? And they're like, you know, leverage basically. Like get your stuff airtight, really good conversions, and just and and now I'm at the point of where I'm I'm working on the the ad kind of the the Miles Beckler sort of uh, ad yeah strategy. Um, so that's that's part of where I'm at. Where it's like. I'm trying to basically scale up so I can get help. Um, just made my first hire. So things are kind of going up and uh, getting a little more complex, a little more quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it does have to eventually. I mean, this show is about scaling your, your small business, right? So we get it. And, you know, we've both, we've both been there and it ebbs and flows too, right? Like you, you maybe overcomplicate and then you reduce it back and simplify and then you complicate it again. And like yep. you find what works, right? You test and you experiment and you find out what works. And eventually you sort of land in a sweet spot and you hang out mm-hmm. there for a couple months and then it's time to move on to the next thing. I think you found, I think you found the blue ocean kind of in your industry, right? Yeah, really. Where it's like, it sounds like you haven't done very much promotion, uh, but all kinds of people are are flooding in. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it makes it okay. This this is this goes back to like Preston saying he loves the simplicity of it. I think it's because you hit this blue ocean. Mm. I think it's very, very difficult to to go back to that simplicity these days. Um where there's all kinds of marketing stuff that you gotta do and blah blah blah. Um and everybody's trying to create the next app or the next tech thing or whatever. Um but when you hit a blue ocean I think it's like, it's super simple. All you got to do is say, hey, I got this thing that solves this problem. Um, and then they come flooding it. It reminds me of um, my brother-in-law. Okay, this is so funny. It's so frustrating, but I'm so happy for him. My brother-in-law, he likes to deal with tractors. He likes just piddling with tractors. He is not. <laughs> he, is not he is not an entrepreneur. He is not a business owner. I repeat, he is not an entrepreneur or a business owner. But he likes to like, He's a tinker, right? So he he has these like tractors with the like the little backhoe or whatever. Oh, on. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know tractors. He found a way to add. He rigged it to make the backhoe. You know how they go up and down. Mm-hmm. He found a way to make it go faster by literally a second faster <laughs> than than the manu- manufacturer's uh, built in way, and. For some reason, the manufacturers of these tractors don't know how to make it go faster, but he made he figured oh it my out. Gosh. And so he put together, <coughs> excuse me, he built this prototype and he got it made by somebody in, in China or something. And he sold fifty thousand dollars of this product in like two months. That's to awesome. a whole to a whole bunch of freaking redneck farmers That's who amazing. want their who want their backhoe to go go down up and down faster by literally one second. That's it. Man. Blue ocean, blue ocean. Yeah, man, the niche stuff. You know, they say their riches are in the niches, and uh, it's it, there's a reason that saying floats around because once you once you find it, yeah, there's like you say, blue ocean to be found. 
Well, and I think, do you know, so Jeff Walker, who wrote the book Launch, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you've heard of that, but he's, he's been around for a minute and he, they just, he released that book. And I just listened to it for the first time a couple months ago. And I'm, so I'm, I'm going to try to follow his sort of framework for this next launch. And my, my hopes are that it does a lot better than the last one. But I think that's why I'm, I'm very, you know, it, it is very old school. It's basically the internet version of, of old, like, like ads, like just writing ads and learning how to communicate and deliver value. And, um, and I think the other thing, like you said, is just staying, staying there. It's like, I've been a victim of shiny object syndrome in the past, but like, yeah, the longer I sit in doing what I'm doing, the more it works out, I feel, because you're just kind Mm -hmm. of putting distance between you and anyone else in that space. Right. Yeah, totally. I resonate with that. I've been, I've been in the same, like, my blog has been in the same sort of designers, creatives, freelancers space since it started in 2009. Wow. And so many people were were doing way better than me early on. Like they would see really early success and I was really jealous. And um, and then, but I stuck with it. And then over the years, those have all faded. Like not even kidding, all of them have faded. And we're still around and we're doing great. And um there is something to be said about like sticking with something for a long time, right? As long as it's headed in the right direction, um, sticking with something and really planting your flag and saying like, no, I do this for people. This is where I add value to, to people. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, Will, I'm afraid we're out of time, man. This has been a lot of fun hearing about you and your business, your journey, the yeah, progress you've fun. made. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. Will you tell people where they can find out more about you and where they can purchase uh, your course, your new course you're working on? Where's the best place to connect? Sure. The best thing is just willgibbons.com. That's W-I-L-L-G-I-B-B-O-N-S.com. And anywhere there's a box you can click on to sign up and get on my email list, that's the best way you can hear from me. And we'll be in touch at that point. And Awesome. We'll, we'll be sure to link that as well in the show description so you don't have to worry about spelling it or typing it. Just uh, open up in whatever podcast player you're listening to. Uh, just open up the show description. We'll have a link right there for you. Will, thank you so much for joining us today, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Take care. Freelance to Founder is produced by the team at Millo. Visit millo.co to level up your freelancing. And Dripify, visit getdripify.com to become a bad A in business. Freelance to Founder is also part of the Podglomerate. You can check out more amazing podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music for this show was produced by Joaquin Carud. You can catch past episodes at FreelanceToFounder.com or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. While you're at it, we'd love an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. Until next time. See ya.